What's up, everybody? I'm Paul Hickey with NoOffSeason.com. This is the Sports Card Strategy Show brought to you by Graybo's Sports Cards. Graybo's Sports Cards is a local hobby shop owned by Gray Burnett, Ryan Fitz, and Duke Denny One-Time Dodson. They're located in the Arts District of Richmond, Virginia. Graybo's sports the best selection of raw and graded singles in the Mid-Atlantic and a wide variety of wax. Graybo's breaks on whatnot and or drip five nights a week. Listeners of Sports Card Strategy can receive a 10% discount from Graybo's on drip, whatnot, or their website at graybo's.co by entering the code STRATEGY2023. You can follow all of Graybo's news and updates on Instagram at graybo's underscore cards. Don't forget to get a free 30-day trial at nooffseason.com today to help you make money flipping sports cards, build your sports card investment portfolio, get unlimited advice from our experts, and take sports card school to navigate the hobby. That's nooffseason.com. Get your free 30-day trial today. All the data we use on the Sports Card Strategy Show is from MarketMoversApp.com. Use code NOOFFSEASON at MarketMoversApp.com to get 20% off for life after a free 14-day trial. All right, let's get to the Sports Card Strategy. Happy Wednesday, January 17th, everyone. Welcome back to the Sports Card Strategy Show. I'm alongside Paul Hickey today, and today we're going to be talking about how to make money flipping sports cards during NFL free agency in 2024. But before we do, Paul Hickey, how are we doing this morning? What's up, nooffseason.com fam? Connor, good to see you. Good to talk to everybody. I'm pumped. I've got seven hours remaining in my Victor Wembanyama auctions on my eBay store, so we'll see how those shake out. Uh, the two promoted auctions are not really performing any better than the non-promoted ones. So I'm going to report back to the audience on that. And then I got uh, some PSA grades that popped today. So I may or may not be revealing those on youtube.com slash Paul Hickey in the near future. So I'm pumped, man. I'm ready to get into some sports card strategy, baby. Absolutely love it. We got a ton of good stuff per usual to get to today. A lot of breakdowns. Uh, but before we do, at nooffseason.com, we have launched Sports Card School, a safe place for noobs, advanced flippers, and high rollers alike to learn how to navigate the hobby and ultimately build a collection that increases in value. If you want to try out Sports Card School for free, you can do so by getting a free 30-day trial at nooffseason.com today, uh, where you can start learning our guidelines, strategies, and plays to help you make money flipping sports cards to fund your PC and other things in your life. We are full as of right now for our one-on-one -on -one sports card strategist package, uh, but spots will open back up in February. So if you are interested or think you may be interested, reach out to Paul Hickey. Uh, that's Paul at nooffseason.com and see if this package may be a good fit for you. All right, topics for today. We got, is there a place for backup QBs in the hobby? How to make money on NFL free agency? Finding clear sell markers from flyer plays. Uh, card stock, it's being rebooted. Uh, how to make money in 2024 on UFC cards. We got Bowman Chrome U basketball is finally here. Uh, we got some audience entries, 2024 goals from our guy, Ryan Painter. Uh, and then we got some audience Q&A to wrap things up. So as you guys have questions throughout the show, be sure to drop them uh, in the live chat. And we will do our best to get to as many as we can at the end. 
All right, Paul, before we hop into things, I'm going to do a little uh, quick live chat. Love to everyone in the chat so far. We got Ryan Painter, our guy. Good to see you this morning, Ryan. Jeremy, one galaxy germ. What's up, Jeremy? Barry Siff in the chat. Good to see you this morning. Uh, Cleo Cards, good to see that name. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and roll right into things, Paul. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, NFL free agency is going to be a big, uh, big topic of today. A lot of ways to make money on football cards. We're going to start things off uh, talking about backup quarterback strategies. Is there a place for backup QBs in the hobby? Uh, one of the reasons that that I think this has kind of come to the forefront has been how things played out this season. Seven starting quarterbacks, which would be 22% of the league starters, were sidelined this year uh, due to season-ending injuries. Uh, so at that point, we, you know, we saw a lot of backup quarterbacks have to be accessible and available to play, uh, and all the card markets kind of went crazy depending on how they did. So, Paul, uh, go ahead and hop into if there's a place for them in the hobby. Is this an investment people should be making? Why or why not? Yeah, I started recognizing the pattern a couple years ago. If we go back to Mike White, Mike White in 2021, uh, he, you know, he was one in three in four appearances with the New York Jets. He, in total in his career, he has 13 interceptions and nine TDs. <laughs> in 14 career games in three years. He was only one in three in those four appearances in 2021 with the New York Jets. Um, you know, not impressive stats at all. You know, even for a fifth-round draft pick with career backup expectations, yet his 2018 Optic Hollow 185 Raw sold 21 times for more than $33 on Halloween of 2021 alone. Those sales were up from the previous value of that card at $1.25. That was the date of his only win that year. It sold again four times for more than $25 on November 27th, 2022. That was the date of his only win in the 2022 season. He was one in three as a starter that year also. And it currently sells for $1.29. Then let's look at another backup quarterback from 2021, Cooper Rush. He started six games for Dallas in six seasons and started only one game in 2021. It was on Halloween and five in 2022. Rush's 2017 playoff base rookie card sells consistently for $2, but it sold consistently for between $11 and $12 during his five-game stretch as a starter in 2022. His 2017 Contenders uh, 218 Rookie Ticket Auto consistently sells for between $25 and $35, but sold consistently for more than $150 during that same time period. And oh, by the way, Rush is 5-1 and one in those aforementioned career starts. So when you think about this pattern, we talk about pattern recognition. And what's this pattern? This pattern is simple. This is when a backup QB gets an opportunity there's interest in their cards. And when they win in that opportunity, their cards spike huge. So I've put out an article at collectibles.si.com. That's Sports Illustrated's collectibles uh, content website. So I'm a contributor there. And it just dropped today. And so you can go check out that article. And it walks through even more of a case for this potential sports card strategy of scouting out who the backup QBs are and buying them for dirt cheap with the simple sports card strategy of list them for sale when the uh, when the starter goes down. And to your point, the data that you gave earlier, 
pretty much likely that the starter is going to go down at some point for an NFL team for most of the NFL teams. Uh, however, it's a little bit risky because what if the guy that you buy never gets a starting opportunity or what if when they do, they lose badly. So I think there's, there's some merit behind the backup QB strategy. And it's certainly something we're going to explore more at nooffseason.com uh, throughout this 2024 NFL offseason, just to try to hone in on who are the guys that we think you can make money on and mitigate the risk against the ones that probably will never get a starting opportunity. But one thing I wanted to bring up, Connor, is an even better sports card strategy than the backup QB strategy. Let's go right into the free agency plays. So what I noticed when doing my research on the backup QBs right now is that most of the top backup QBs that have gotten an opportunity this year, Mason Rudolph, uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, it's hard to call him a backup because he came in as the starter. But even, even guys like Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, uh, even going back to the 2022 season, Tyler Huntley, Tyler Huntley for the Ravens played a role and we saw his only rookie card, his contenders rookie ticket auto spike when he filled in for Lamar Jackson. And so what do these guys have in common? Darnold, Locke, Rudolph, Huntley, even a guy like Jameis Winston, they're all unrestricted free agents. So I wanted to not spend too much time on the backup QB strategy, although there will be some merit to that. I wanted to jump into the NFL free agency plays because I think there's actually more of a risk-free strategy or a lower risk strategy with a selling marker that's on the calendar. It's March 15th, NFL free agency coming up. So, so I couldn't hear you there for a second. I wanted to see what you had to say about that. We can, we can jump into who the top NFL free agents are, but uh, first, Connor, I'd like to get your thoughts on just kind of the overall sports card strategy of looking again. We, we talk about don't buy cards uh, without a selling marker in mind. And I think that uh, March 15th free agency date is just one. Now that more teams are eliminated from the NFL uh, Super Bowl contention. Uh, you have the, the more teams that you have in their offseason, the more opportunity I think it is to start taking a look at these players' cards. So that's why I thought today would be a great time to dig into some NFL free agency plays. What do you think, Connor? Yeah, I totally agree. This is why this show is so great because rather than just reporting on the news that you guys have been watching yourselves and hearing over the last week, we're trying to get you guys ahead of the game and be prepared uh, to know when to make money in selling these guys. So uh, as you see guys eliminated, we're going to talk about a lot of them today that are not currently in the playoffs. Uh, their card value is going to go down. There's going to be no eyes on them. All the eyes are going to be on the contenders, people making those deep playoff pushes. So there's going to be some flyer plays, uh, even some hero plays that we're going to discuss today where uh, you're going to be able to find their prints at a discounted rate. And then, boom, once March 15th hits, uh, you kind of got that sell marker that you're prepared for. Uh, and that, that's honestly a general theme of today's show, I think, Paul, even with the backup quarterbacks. The Flyers that we're going to discuss in free agency. Uh, Lefty McKee is going to join us today to talk uh, some of his W's from 2023. All three of those, the key to those hitting was having the selling marker in mind when they made the purchase there. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and hop into your top free agency plays uh, for this offseason. 
Sounds good. Quick shout out to Evan Bell in the house and Oh My Shoes. Good to see you in the live chat. And again, if you can't join us in the live chat, come to youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. Drop a comment below. Join us on the Discord. Go to sportscardstrategy.com to join the Discord or DM me on Instagram at sportscardstrategy. But yes, Connor, I want to get into my top free agents that I think you can go buy now and just simply flip on March 15th or in seven to 10 day auctions during the news cycle leading up to March 15th or even ending your auctions as they sign with their new team. So T Higgins is number one. I'm just going to go straight to the value here. We're all about the value on the sports card strategy show. T Higgins 2020 prism laser PSA 10 is down uh, 65%. It's down to $37 and it's down, uh, you know, from, from basically it's, it's all time sales. If you were to look at the chart, if you were to go to marketmoversapp.com and look up that card after using the promo code, no off season to save 20%, you would see basically a trend line that's consistently down all the way from when that card hit the market. Um, it's down to $37 and there should be upside with that card. Uh, it's going to be hard to say exactly what I think that card will sell for, but I do think being that it's 65% down all time and it's only $37, I would venture to guess that you could get for that Prism Laser PSA 10 that that card could potentially double uh, if he does sign with a new team um, or even if he's in the news cycle returning to Cincinnati. Uh, his 2020 Contenders Rookie Ticket Auto number 113 Raw is only $30. It sold just a couple of weeks ago for $30. And that is not as liquid as that Prism Laser PSA 10. So again, it's hard to say what the upside of that card is going to be. But again, I think that could be one that doubles as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm making some educated guesses on what I think that card could sell for. But being as the, the fact that those two cards are down pretty much at their all-time lows, and this is a this is a guy that if he didn't have Jamar Chase, he I think he's a bona fide number one wide receiver in the NFL. If he wasn't injured in 2023, he he probably would have been a top 15, maybe even a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. And we do know uh, from our friend Andy Kaysen over at FootballCardQuest.com that uh, fantasy hype and fantasy stats do matter as it relates as it translates over to the card prices of a player t higgins has been a guy that andy's talked about a lot we've mentioned him on the sports card strategy show that's why he's my number one you know Bengals have been eliminated for a couple of weeks now i think now is the time to go digging on t higgins cards i will say there's not a ton of listings out there on ebay right now for t higgins cards but you should be looking for these two, the 2020 Prism Laser PSA 10 and the 2020 Contenders Rookie Ticket Auto. The one that I see is number 113, but there are all sorts of variations of Rookie Ticket Autos. I think if you can get a good deal in an auction or in a buy it now or best offer, you should make money on T. Higgins. What do you think, Connor? Over to you for your, 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 your T. Higgins take. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on T. Higgins, kind of like our guy Andy Kaysen. You know, he's that prototype uh, built-in receiver that guys are looking for. Six foot four, 220 pounds, uh, runs well, runs good routes, plays physical. Um, and like you're saying, he is behind Jamar Chase. So you got to wonder, is there something in him that's saying, hey, if I go somewhere else, I can be that number one guy? Well, we don't like speculation. I don't really think it matters if he leaves or not. I think either way, we're going to see his card prices rise. Uh, if he does leave, maybe a little bit more than if he resigns. But I think uh, with with people excited about Burrow coming back, hopefully full strength next year uh, and seeing that he's got his full uh, receiving core. I think either way, we're going to see these prices rise. So I love this T Higgins pick 
Um, and we got them on our rankings over at nooffseason.com, so be sure to hop over there and check out the football rankings there for uh, more T. Higgins and, uh, and other plays. But uh, keep rolling along here, Paul. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I mean, T. Higgins is uh, he was a first pick in the second round. He's he's a uh, six foot four. Um, another guy from that 2020 draft class, though, drafted in that second round, Michael Pittman. He's another guy to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think he's as good of a play as T. Higgins. And here's why I think he could, he's probably more likely to get the franchise tag. And again, in the sports card market, it's driven by hype. That is the number one. If you were to ask me, Paul, what's the number one thing that drives prices? It is hype. Yes, performance spikes happen and that spikes the prices, but what consistently drives prices up more than anything else that's more predictable than a performance spike is hype. And I just don't see as much hype around Michael Pittman as I do uh, see in my crystal ball for T Higgins, mainly because what I'm seeing right now is that the Colts will probably just franchise him. And that just is not as interesting of a news story. So I, I, I think that um, Pittman also, his prices are a little higher than T Higgins right now. When I dig into, you know, for example, his rookie ticket autos, and you look at the prices of his rookie ticket autos compared to T Higgins, and they're in the same draft class. Uh, Michael Pittman's are, um, you know, pretty much 50 to hundred percent higher than T than the ones that I found for T Higgins based on the data I could see in market movers. Um, another guy is, uh, who, who could possibly get the franchise tag is uh calvin ridley um you know calvin ridley um is also pretty expensive and, and, he, and he's 2018 rookie so he doesn't have as many liquid cards he's so that's why i led with t higgins yeah you know it's not that calvin ridley and michael pittman aren't as good of nfl wide receivers as t higgins that's not what i'm talking about but it does have to do with the situation leading into free agency and the situation related to their cards. So when you look at Calvin Ridley, there's just not as many opportunities to go get his cards and, and sell them quickly like there are for T. Higgins. That's not to say that you can't make money on Calvin Ridley. That's definitely why I'm talking about him. For example, his 2018 National Treasures uh, 185 rookie patch auto out of 99 is down 9%, but it last sold for $231 just before Christmas. That's significantly more of an investment than the T Higgins cards I talked about. So I wanted to talk about Ridley, but I, I just don't know that he's as good of a play. Um, a few other like big name guys that I want to rattle off and then have a discussion about. Uh, Mike Evans. Um, I would hold on buying Mike Evans because obviously as of today, uh, when we're recording this show and when we're live here on youtube.com slash Paul Hickey and Instagram at sports card strategy and X at no offseason card, we're streaming on all these platforms. Um, as we are talking, the bucks are still in the NFL playoffs. And so you will probably see Mike Evans cards hold on their pricing, um, at least for a week to 10 days after the Bucks get, get eliminated from the playoffs. As much as I hope that that is this weekend against my Detroit Lions, you never know. I'm really bad at predicting games. I've said that before on the show. So I want everybody to kind of hold on Mike Evans. He is a future Hall of Famer, though, most likely. And so um, that's why, you know, there's, there's a couple different reasons to buy into Mike Evans. I think if you wait until a couple of weeks after the Bucks are eliminated from the playoffs, he's got some Topps Chrome stuff. That would be the stuff I would look at and flip it uh, if he does sign in a new location. Even if he goes back to the Bucks, there's probably going to be some media coverage around that. So uh, the Mike Evans play could be interesting in a couple of weeks. 
Um, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry. Those are other guys that I just wanted to put out there. I will say um, Henry's pretty expensive. <laughs> um, and so I, I wanted to go into Derek Henry and be like, you know, like future Hall of Famer, could go to the Cowboys, could be this big media story. But to buy into Derek Henry is not cheap. Um, so I think you're really going to have to like Derek Henry and maybe even like Mike Evans uh, for your PC uh, just to mitigate some risk against a flip that might not work out for those guys. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, I think could be interesting. Again, um, I'd want you to do your own research, especially on Barkley. I did a little bit of research on Jacobs and his 2019 Prism Rookie Auto PSA 9 is down 29%. Um, I would look at similar cards for Barkley. I would look at, obviously, Prism Silvers, Rookie Ticket Autos, Prism Autographs. A lot of times the Rookie Prism Autograph actually doesn't sell for as much as the Prism Silver or the Contenders Rookie Ticket Auto. So I think all of those are interesting um, potential moves for NFL free agency. A couple points I want to hammer home here, Connor, before we kind of talk through this a little bit. Um, Number one, you want to target guys who are the most likely to change teams. I think I think going back to the same team just isn't as big of a news story. Um, when somebody changes teams, uh, that is a good time to list them in an auction. So a minute ago, I said you could list for auctions sort of ending around March 15th. But depending on the guy, you probably want to look at listing around March 15th in a 10-day auction. And then getting a full 10 days of like all of the all of the visits and the news and everything like that. And then chances are these guys sign within the first 10 days. And so that 10-day auction is a great way to do it. Um, pick highly liquid and desirable cards that are down in price. That's number two. And um, buy now, uh, other than Mike Evans. And uh, list for sale during the early rumor mill, like I just said, around March 15th in those 10-day auctions. So... Um, a lot of great free agents out there. As you can see, I focused on the quarterbacks and um, we didn't mention Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins is, you know, MSU collector is in the house. Good to see MSU collector uh, go green. And uh, Kirk Cousins is also an interesting name to keep an eye on. Um, coming back from injury, hitting free agency. Uh, he, he's another, another name that I think we need to pay attention to along with T Higgins. You know, I'd, I'd put him right up there. I'd put Kirk Cousins right up there. But uh, the reason I, I kind of held on mentioning Kirk is because, you know, he's an older quarterback. He may be past his prime. He's coming off a big injury. Um, while there will be hype around him, I've also done a lot of um, research into Kirk Cousins cards. You know, the, the 2012 year, I believe, is just kind of a weird year. Um, it's the first year for Prism, so he's got a Prism rookie. Uh, he also has a Topps Chrome rookie. So Topps and Panini had NFL licensing back during Kirk Cousins' rookie season. And so he's just a weird uh, split market between, you know, there's multiple right cards. It's a lower print run, which also kind of works against making the Kirk Cousins flip because um, he's not as liquid. There's not as much sales data. And he's in a Redskins uniform, so uh, there's just there's a lot of a lot of um, situationality, I, be, I believe, uh, to the Kirk to the Kirk Cousins uh, scenario, which is why I kind of have him as a footnote here. Yeah, 
Paul, a ton of great information. Uh, everything is very well articulated in terms of who to look for and why there. Uh, so we'll unpack that uh, real quick before we do. want to give a shout out to Jay and Y Cards for being here. We also got Brian Steeler 714 in the house. Thanks, guys, uh, for hopping in with us. All right. A lot to unpack there. Let's kind of let's kind of go down the line. Um, first, you did a great job explaining why I think Michael Pittman and Calvin Ridley are not as uh, don't have the upside as much really that T Higgins has. Um, I think also uh, something to consider for why maybe that is that T Higgins T Higgins had a really down year this year. Um, not quite. And obviously being behind behind Jamar. Um, his prior two years put up over a thousand yards receiving almost 75 catches both years this year, just 650 yards, missed some time from injury, uh, really down year for the Bengals as well. So I think that kind of builds into that perfect storm of why his cards are sitting at half the valuation of some of these other guys. Um, as for Mike Evans, I think something to consider is that like, I think he is wildly underrated outside of the sports card world. Um, and that may be factoring into maybe why you should be cautious as to uh, what, entry point you get on Mike Evans. Paul mentioned waiting until they're uh, eliminated. Absolutely wait, because I don't know that even when he comes back and tries to put together his 10th straight, yes, 10th straight thousand yard receiving season, um, that the hype is going to be around this guy. Obviously, we're not waiting for those performance-based markers, but uh, nonetheless, be careful with Mike Evans. Make sure you're buying in at a low entry point there. Um, I actually really like the Derrick Henry play, Paul. I know you're saying it's an expensive entry point, but um, we don't typically pitch buying running backs, but there's a reason we're doing it. We're not waiting for him to take a single snap on his new team. We're simply waiting for that news uh, to create enough hype around his card market to see price spikes there. Uh, and Derrick Henry is 99.999% out of the Tennessee Titans organization. So he's there's going to be news of him going somewhere and someone's going to be excited about it. So I think Derrick Henry, if you have the capital to invest and the cash flow is there, uh, could be a great flyer play uh, there as well. Uh, but a lot of good names overall in this list, Paul. A lot of people to to break down. You're going to see uh, updates later this week on our football rankings based on uh, our conversations today. So definitely stay tuned for more free agency breakdown stuff there. Yeah. Henry's uh, 2016 Prism Rookie Auto Purple Scope out of 99. That's down. Um, and I agree with you. I think he's like he's a clear-cut flip. He's a clear-cut buy now and flip when he signs. Uh, and if he, if he ends up signing with Dallas, I think that probably is a is a best case scenario for his card prices to go up it's like it would be sort of like what didn't happen with dalvin cook when he signed with the jets i think actually will happen with henry just just a, what i mean by that is just like when if he signs in a big market like dallas and he's derrick henry you're gonna sell uh, upon that news because uh who knows how many carries he's gonna get who knows how much he'll factor in in dallas who knows what dallas will do but the hype of him going to Dallas and the news story around that would be the selling marker. Um, MSU collector real quick, just to bring home the uh, NFL free agency talk. Um, he and I met at the national. I do remember. Yes. Uh, big time Kirk cousins um, guy. And uh, I believe that he uh, knows Kirk personally and uh, MSU collector uh, dropping some breaking some breaking rumors here on the Sports Card Strategy Show saying, good chance Kirk Cousins signs with Pittsburgh or Atlanta. So um, very interesting. Uh, and yeah, a uh, lot, lot to follow, a lot to follow. And uh, Connor, what, what do we got up next, man? I'm, I'm excited to see uh, who we're bringing into the show right now. Yeah, so obviously a lot of, we don't you really pitch flyers that often. A lot of flyer discussion there. Um and a lot of great information. And the reason that we feel comfortable doing it, obviously, is the sell markers that we have there. 
One guy that killed 2023 on a flyer play was Kendall the Lefty McKee. I was fortunate uh, fortunate enough to sit down with our guy Lefty and discuss what factors go into making educated investments from flyer players in order to be successful. So, Paul, you will go ahead and queue up uh, that discussion with Lefty, and we can break down a big win from him uh, in 2023 that, that helped a lot of our audience members as well. Let's go, Lefty. What you got, man? Yoshinobu Yamamoto, a name that has been lofted around uh, the last several months of our content at nooffseason.com as well as on the Sports Car Strategy Show. Uh, courtesy of Lefty McKee. This was a big time W for Lefty McKee towards the end of 2023. He flag planted on Yamamoto. He flag planted on a specific card. Lefty, why don't you break down who Yamamoto was, why this play worked out, which card you invested in, uh, and just give us the full breakdown. So early in 2023, in the WBC Classic, we saw this Japanese team that won in a, in a final situation where it was USA versus Japan, incredible spectacle, uh, Shohei versus Mike Trout. We've talked at length about how that was one of the most exciting at-bats of all time. But there were other residual players on this Japanese team that got more attention, especially from me, over, over the 2023 span. I got really excited about Roki Sasaki, and we've talked about him a lot too, about another player that's up and coming and going to be posted for in the MLB um, in the future. But there was another guy that started to elevate his standard around that WBC time, and then towards the middle uh, of summer, we saw his numbers in Japan being better than Roki's. So he was saying, hold my beer, Roki. I'm going to be better than you, and you are going to be the next Shohei or the next you Darvish. I mean, these, this guy was saying, I'm going to come out and be better than your expectations. And so once I started realizing that Yamamoto was putting numbers together that were virtually unheard of, unreal, this guy in, in Japan was doing things that you Darvish had not done. He was doing things that Shohei Otani had not done. He was doing things that Roki Sasaki had not done or any other pitcher that has ever come from Japan had not done. He was doing things that were unreal. And then, so I said, okay, I'm going to break my standard. We get so caught up in, and sometimes, and, and I think this is something for our audience to really tune in here. We love strategies, but they're always evolving. You know, our strategies need to always be playing and we need to, we need to like marry the guidelines and date the strategies. And I think for that, it was just like, this was something that like broke it a little bit. And the further I looked at it, the further I looked at it, the further I looked at it, the more I was like, this is something we can make a lot of money on. And so I ended up finding out that there were these Walgreens packs that were selling all over the nation. They were having this Chrome nine number 90 Yamamoto card. It was his rookie card. It was a 2021 and they were selling all over Walgreens in America. And the card actually was selling really well on eBay, even before all of this hype started. And I said, so you could turn it just extremely from day one. You could turn it for like a three X profit from the pack that you bought it from. And so I said, already I'm in on this. We're changing our guidelines. We're going to put him into our baseball rankings. He's the only pitcher that had ever been on the baseball rankings. And it was the only non MLB player or the non MILB player that had ever been on the list at this point. And so I flag planted with Yamamoto saying this guy's going to come out and get paid bukus of money. And there was a situation stirring where Shohei was talking about signing on the same team with Yamamoto. 
you know, now in 2024, when we're recapping 2023, we know that both of these guys signed massive deals with the Dodgers. Couldn't have been a better situation for us. But the Chrome number 90 uh, MPB Yamamoto card was the card that I flag planted on saying, this is the card that's going to make serious money when this guy signs. And I ended up making two and a half X on all my Chrome cards. And then I made five X on the paper versions of that card. So the paper versions, Connor, I actually, I actually made more return on my investment, double my return on my investment on the paper cards than I did my Chrome cards. So Yamamoto has a chance to do crazy things in 2024. I am personally out on him going forward. So we've talked about how Shohei can be an investment that we go in and out of. We uh, Other players, you could potentially do that. Not this guy. I think now he returns to just another MLB pitcher, and that's selling him short. But in the investment strategy world, that's what it is. He's just an MLB pitcher. The reason why this worked in 2023 is the scarcity of the card and no one knowing his name. Yeah, so I, I love this play. There were a lot of people that tailed this play, Lefty. So shout out to Lefty for making making our listeners some cash. But this is to me, this is the this is the lesson from this play. One, Lefty went where they ain't. He found Yamamoto, definitely a guy that didn't have a ton of hype, no matter how, uh, maybe in the prospect world, he had, a, he had a ridiculous amount of hype. But for the everyday baseball fan, the sports card collector, certainly in, in the sports card realm, not someone that had a ton of demand, a ton of hype. Went where they ain't, found an undervalued card, had a clear sell marker, did not try to get out before the sell marker, waited for the sell marker to present itself and executed and made some serious profits. And uh, we're able to make profits for our listeners, too. So great work, Lefty, on Yamamoto. We will be hanging tight for the next prospect find from Lefty McKee. But for today, good work, Lefty. Props to Lefty. I mean, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. I will say that I was skeptical of the weird Walgreen pack situation trying to go Yamamoto hunting. I was definitely more of a fan of like, just go by the single. And then when I saw the single, I thought, well, this doesn't have a, a RC logo on it. You know, they had the, uh, the different brands from Japan versus the tops Chrome. And so I was a little skeptical. I faded it, but lefty and a lot of our audience who listened to lefty made a lot of good money on the Yamamoto play. I'm glad you broke that down with them there, Connor. Um, yeah, what what's your takeaway on the uh, on the Yamamoto play here for for the audience? I think it's a great parallel between what we're discussing today for like our free agency guys in the NFL uh, and flyer plays in general, right? This like this is these are our guidelines. Like you have to be investing in flyers that have clear sell markers that you know are going to occur, so that you have an exit strategy. You cannot be waiting around hoping for performance spikes, hoping for something crazy to happen, because uh, then you're going to end up maybe holding your tongue and and uh, ending up in the red on a lot of flyer plays. And they definitely stack up over time if you keep making them. So um, that's just my two cents there. I think Lefty did a great job, uh, even though it wasn't necessarily the most ideal situation in terms of not having the RC shield uh, and things like that and having to go to Walgreens and hoping to find it. Uh, it was such a clear marker that it, it worked out so well for Lefty. And, and we got a lot of feedback from listeners too that it worked out well there. So good stuff from Lefty. And uh, we're excited to start breaking down his 2024 wins. Yeah, and shout out to Eric Stefano, uh, in the live chat, uh, who says he he bought a lot of those Walgreens packs? So, um, anyway, we we definitely singles over wax, but I mean the play was there. Good work, uh, good work, Lefty. Good work, Connor. Bringing it here to the audience. Love that. Love that recap. We're gonna hear more from Lefty, obviously, 
uh, in future episodes and how he's winning 2024. And I'll throw out a little bit of breaking news. We're going to have uh, some shows where it's all four of us uh, getting together to chat and a little panel discussion. So uh, it, we're going to sprinkle those in on top of these Monday and Wednesday shows and on top of the overflow show, you guys going to get bonus sports card strategy episodes uh, with all of us at the same time once again. So stay tuned for those. And uh, Connor, I'm going to go ahead and segue into something um, that I kind of cooked up for the audience here right in the middle of our show today, because I think it's relevant. And it's something that not a lot of people in the hobby are talking about right now. And it's starstock.com. And starstock.com is relevant to me because when I first got back into the hobby in late 2020, early 2021, starstock.com had just launched. And its premise was the stock market for sports cards. And the way that it was different from eBay and PWCC and other marketplaces is that it provided live trading of cards within a vault system where you still owned the physical asset. You could send in your physical cards. They would intake them for you, the Starstock team. If they were graded by a grading company already, that was straightforward for them. If they weren't graded and they were raw, they would actually grade them either an A, a B, or a C. Now they would they were not fully transparent on what an A meant related to like a PSA 10, 9, or 8, and et cetera, down to the B's and C's. But one could basically infer that like if you got a star stock A, it could possibly be a PSA 10. But if you got a star stock B or a C, there was no way it was a gem mint grade. It was more like Ah, an eight, uh, six, seven, or eight, right? And then a C was just kind of one that, you know, was not going to come close to even getting uh, an excellent grade. So the reason why that was interesting to me is because I found that you could do multiple different plays just on starstock.com. You could not only send in cards for them to intake and then for you to trade in real time, but you could buy in real time and sell in real time, but you could do things like, I'm gonna try to buy this star stock A that's going for less than this raw version of it on eBay. And because it was a star stock A and you could get it for less than you could on eBay, you had a higher chance of grading that for a PSA 10. And so Starstock was just starting to scratch the surface of all these different things that you could do from a sports card strategy standpoint. We were talking about it a lot on the YouTube channel early on, but it went away. It kind of became defunct. It died. And there were a lot of flaws with Starstock. One of the major flaws was that people were listing their cards too high and it didn't have an auction feature. So without an auction feature and with people listing their cards too high, there was just an utter lack of transactions. So that made it completely uninteresting. You'd buy a card on Starstock, you'd list it on Starstock, it would sit there, and then it would be in your Starstock vault. So if you wanted to try to get it back to list it on eBay, you had to wait a long time. That's one of the many flaws to starstock.com in the first iteration. But recently, a company called Collectible Exchange, which is also kind of a newer company in the hobby over the last few years, has acquired Starstock and is attempting to resurrect it from the sports card marketplace dead. And the person, the man in charge of Collectible Exchange and 
nowstarstock.com is a guy by the name of Brandon Steiner. And for those of you who are not familiar with Brandon Steiner, he started Steiner Sports, which was a collectible marketplace that dealt directly with athletes. And so I sat down with Brandon Steiner for the next episode of Seven Minutes of Strategy, which is going to air this Friday, January 19th, right here at youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. Here is a preview of my conversation with Brandon Steiner and how he plans on resurrecting starstock.com from the sports card marketplace graveyard. Brandon, welcome to the sports card strategy show. Why did you acquire starstock.com and what are you and collectible exchange, the team doing to kind of resurrect it and get it back current and relevant? Um, I love because you know, younger people, especially they want to move quickly. Somebody just hits two home runs. Let's get that price up there. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of support and movement. I think the other thing you're going to see with Starstock that I think people are into autograph cards and we're giving people a chance to get their cards autographed. We're going to be doing a lot of streaming with a lot of players that can autograph your cards. You can send them in. We're going to hyper-focus on it. I'm going into this thing by listening to my customers, which is what I've always done at Steiner and now Collectible Exchange, and I'm gonna implement the things that the people actually need and want. If you're not open to grow and you're open to feedback, then you're gonna be mediocre. And there's no way I'm, I'm interested in having Starstock stay mediocre. Yeah, so Starstock became pretty mediocre and then less than mediocre as a sports card marketplace. You know, I'm a big fan of the premise. Personally, I hope that uh, Brandon can turn it around, Brandon and his team. Uh, I, I hope that all of you tune in to youtube.com slash Paul Hickey this Friday, January 19th for the drop of the full seven minutes of strategy episode with Brandon, because it was great to talk to him. I'm rooting for him, uh, Connor, but you know, there's a lot of competition out there, man. There's a lot of places to buy cards. There's a lot of places to transact. What do you think of this whole premise based on what I've said about starstock.com? I, well, first of all, I'm really excited for this interview. And, and let me tell you why, Paul. I'm pretty sure Starstock.com was one of the roots of our friendship and the reason that we started uh, getting into talks together. Because uh, at the time that you were looking at Starstock, I, was, I wasn't I was investing in sports cars, but I was doing a lot of sports betting. Uh, and I was looking at something called Prediction Strike, which was a sports, which was a, essentially a, a stock market just for athletes that you could invest in there. Because I thought, well, this might be a more stable way to invest my money than, than betting on nightly games. We actually ran into each other via a mutual friend and kind of uh, chummed, it, chummed it up for about two hours, it felt like. Uh, so shout out to, uh, to a card or a star stock because um, I think it kind of birthed our friendship there. But I love the, I love the premise. Uh, the, the question is, is this a too, uh, is the market too much of a monopoly in terms of where everyone gets their information from, right? I think that um, even with some of the cool features that star stock has you look at places like market movers where people can get uh like sales data i think is always going to drive uh people's interest here so i don't know that they'll have the uh the firepower to really give themselves a big enough market share but it's definitely an interesting concept uh, i'm excited to see more information from that seven minutes of strategy that's coming out friday on youtube.com paul hickey um and definitely hope they do well excited to get uh, that feedback there yeah, I remember that conversation, man. I think I said, yes, yeah, Starstock is is like the sports card version of, of what you're talking about with prediction strike. And I think again, you know, the biggest the biggest advice, this is not a spoiler alert because we don't talk about this in the interview with uh with Brandon on Friday, but uh I think, you know, my biggest feedback would be like you got to have auctions. 
You got to have auctions because you got to pit people against each other. If, if if one person holding a card just lists a card uh, after a couple of home runs, like Brandon said, yeah, that's great. But like, what if they list it for like five times the amount of the recent comps, which is basically what was happening on starstock.com. And one of the reasons why I stopped using it, I think you got to bait people in with a deal. And when you have like a 99 cent uh, starting price on a 10 day auction, you're going to get a lot of action on that. Even if you get a $99 starting price on a 10 day auction, to me, that's why eBay's winning. That's why even marketplaces like uh, PWCC that has auctions, weekly auctions, and premier auctions are, are doing a great job out there. And I think Starstock's going to do a great job. They're going to bring a lot of value. There's no doubt about that. But I just think if they want to entice it, uh, people to be on it as a marketplace. I mean, even whatnot, all the breaking apps, they have auctions. You, know, you do singles auctions. You can auction off different things. And so I think I think you have to pit people up against each other to drive the price up. So speaking of pitting people against each other, I know we've got something coming up here from our guy, uh, Chase Krim. Um, we're going to go into how to make money on UFC cards. And... Um, we talk about clear selling markers. We talk about going where they ain't. And, you know, we talk about pitting people up against each other in auctions during those times. And one area that we haven't gone into at all in a long time is UFC. And so in 2024, I'm making it one of our goals here at the Sports Card Strategy Show to get a little bit more well-rounded. We're always going to cover the basketball, baseball, football but we need to do a better job getting into the sports like golf, UFC, soccer, hockey, tennis. But let's kick it off in the octagon. I'm going to bring in my guy, Chase Krim. He's an OG of the Sports Card Strategy Show. And uh, we're going to break down how to make money on UFC cards. Let's do it. We got our main man, Chase Krim. He is from... Texas Roadshow cards. But what many of you may not know about him is he is a UFC expert. And I want to talk today about some UFC card flipping strategies, Chase, because we don't typically cover this at nooffseason.com and on the sports card strategy show. But I'll tell you what, we need to, and we want to more in 2024 with you specifically. So can you tell our listeners here at the Sports Card Strategy Show, do you have like principles for making money flipping UFC cards? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so basically, basically the, the biggest, biggest thing, thing you, you want, want to, to avoid, avoid is, is so the so UFC, UFC market, market is heavily, heavily collector based. based. Uh, uh, not really like, like I would probably say it's 90% and 10% collectors over the flippers. Um, so, so the biggest thing to avoid is, is like buying someone off of a huge win. Like say they had a pay-per-view fight the night before or the week before, like trying to just hold off of that. UFC is nice because you have your built-in hype cycles already because they only fight, like even if they're super active, they're only fighting three to four times a year. Um, so you get a nice lull period on basically everyone. Um, built into the sport. Um, so trying to just buy when they don't have a fight announced or buying a couple months out of their fight, avoid fighting, avo avoid buying like a week after, two weeks after the winning. Great. So I want to unpack this further. So 
we talk about the right card for the right player at the right time. Is there a right or wrong card for fighters? And do all fighters have cards? Yeah, yeah. so this is a good question. I'm going to try to unpack it. Um, so as far as cards go, from 2021 till now, Panini had the license. And so 2021, if they have a 2021 card and they don't have a rookie uh, card in the top sets before that, anything 2021 is going to be their best card. Um, so like when Connor, uh, when Connor was still active, like he had a couple 2021 black one of ones that like broke the market. Um, so because it's like that first year Panini, um, and they don't make. It's nice because they don't make as many sets as football, basketball. They make like Prism, Select, Immaculate, Optic, and then Donruss. Those are like the five ones. I might be missing one, but so it's much dumbed down. And, and uh, so you're not having to worry about like, oh, should I buy this Phoenix auto, which they do have Chronicles, but it's like, no, you shouldn't. Because <laughs> uh, for one, like a sticker auto out of Chronicles, or this is like, even if it's of someone good, it's probably like 15 bucks at the max, if it, unless it's numbered. So, um, but that being said, Tops takes over the license this year. Um, so basically anything anyone that's not that doesn't have a rookie in that 21 to 23 panini range uh their best card is probably going to be like their rookie tops chrome um, and then if not if they do fall in that range it's probably their rookie prism or if they have an on-card auto and immaculate those are probably the best cards to have so it's pretty similar to other sports but it might even be easier to follow from mm -hmm. what you're saying because if someone's not on a card uh not on a fight card. <laughs> Let's yeah, clarify yeah. that. If they're not on a fight card, uh, it might be time to buy their card. Like a so a Prism Silver, for example, uh, you know, one of the select subsets that's a little bit more uh exclusive or desirable in a in a silver prism, mm -hmm. or even like an immaculate. Which auto. I think we can go even deeper than that because okay. the market's not nearly as big, like not nearly as big as NFL, NBA. So even like a top rookie prism raw is probably like max five to ten dollars, and like even graded, like you're not gonna see that huge grade, um, like uh, multiplier as you will in the other sports because the market is significantly smaller, which is why I like it because think of it as like F one, but F one had all a lot of hype built into it for that that first release was that 20 or 21 i don't remember 2020 okay, okay. so like f1 had a lot of hype built into that set and you know slowly it goes down a little bit and then um so think of it as like f1 minus that initial hype uh and that's why we're looking at like prices like there's like i'm telling y'all some of these prices just don't make sense when you see like a contenders auto of like a rookie who just won Tom Aspinall, for example, heavyweight champion, just won it. His like rookie contenders autos, granted they're on sticker, are like fifteen dollars. So, so it's like, like you're dealing, dealing with much less expensive cards. Yeah, so you can go like low serial numbered mm -hmm. autos 
on-card autos of the nicest sets that we're familiar with from the other sports because of the Panini licensing. And then even when Topps takes over the licensing, we're familiar with like obviously Topps Chrome and, and, and the RC Shield and everything like that. Let's segue into prospecting because what I find difficult in sports like soccer and even F1 a little bit is with baseball, basketball, and football, there's draft. And so you can easily connect the dots between mock drafts to the actual draft results, to draft capital, to the hype around the, the players with the draft capital. How does UFC work in terms of who gets rookie cards every year? And, how, and what's the best? Is there a resource that you would recommend people go to to research uh, who might be added to a fight card for UFC? Is that... Is that uh, widely published information for us UFC noobs. Right. Um, so as far as who's going to be on the rookie set, um, there is really, I don't really know the like prereq, like how they did it in the past of like, who's the rookie card now or like, okay, we're going to add him as rookie. Usually what happens is someone will come up on the ultimate fighter or Dana White's uh, contender series. So the most hyped up prospect probably since Sean O'Malley and Conor McGregor is Bo Nickel right now. And he came up through the contender series. He was like a, uh, I think he won the national championship in wrestling twice at Penn State. And he comes on the contender series, wins a fight, gets invited back again on the contender series, just destroys the dude. Um, so he had a rookie card this past year in 23. And he's like, the most expensive card in the set. Um, and he's supposed, he looks like he's like going to be the real deal. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, then as far as like fighters having like a set or like fighters kind of knowing who gets added to a card. Um, so if you're looking at like champions, so Sean Strickland fights, He's the middleweight champion. He's the one that just beat Israel Adesanya in like a huge upset. Um, so he fights this weekend on a pay-per-view fight. And if he wins that, you can kind of expect him to defend again in like four to six months. Um, so you'll kind of know if you like Sean Strickland. A lot of people love Sean Strickland because he's kind of have like hey, he kind of has that Conor McGregor um personality where he just speaks whatever's on his mind. Uh, although he's a lot less filtered and has a lot of like trauma in his life. So he talks about some crazy stuff. Um, but a lot of people like him cause he's real and he upset Adesanya. He was like five to one to win. And so he's grown a big audience. So if you want to buy into him, say he, I'm not saying don't buy him before the fight. Cause it's in a couple of days. Or if you're watching this, it might've already passed, but if he wins, you're going to expect him to fight in four to six months. So you probably like wait a month or two, buy into his stuff, hold it for two months and then sell it. I like that. So if a champ wins, we can expect that he will defend his title. Just wait a couple of months till the prices go down. Make sure that you're confirming that the prices have in fact gone down. And then you can expect when that title fight is announced, is there another bump when the fight is announced and then a bigger bump leading up to like the week of the fight or the weigh-in? Like, is there a particular time? I mean, you know how we are right, at the right. sports card strategy show. You see where I'm going with this. Right. So, so the, the biggest, biggest bump, bump 
will be like the week of because that's when they have all the interviews that's when they have them on stage the weigh-ins all that stuff um i mean obviously if they win in a really impressive fashion that can also bump up the prizes but that's not guaranteed like the interviews and all that stuff all the pre-interviews and all that stuff um now granted so connor mcgregor has been out because he broke his leg um i don't even know how long it's been a year and a half it could be two and a half years if it feels like two and a half years i think it's just been like a year and a half but he just got announced for a fight in july during international fight week and i i don't know for sure because i'm not constantly looking at like liquid conor mcgregor card sales uh but i'd imagine he would have seen a boost because it's like oh connor's like finally back and especially, and especially connor because he's the face of everything yeah that makes sense so check the conor mcgregor data right now to see if he's already gotten that boost since the announcement but it sounds like what you're saying is even if he has there's going to be so much hype around that international fight week fight oh, yeah. in july that his his prices should surely rise so this is amazing insights here chase really appreciate it man anything else you want to add about ufc cards uh yes so if you like I mean, if you want to find like a different outlet for like your revenue, so say say you want to diversify your portfolio and you're tired of just dealing with football quarterbacks, like hyped up rookies and basketball, uh, you can like build quite the portfolio with UFC cards and you can have like better cards compared to just like a Prism Silver. Um, so that's why I like it. I think there's not really a lot of hype built into ufc cards at the moment so i think you're getting in at a good time and i think it's a sport you know in my opinion i think it could be just as popular in america if it isn't already as f1 but like look at f1 prices compared to ufc cards and they're like not even close um so if you're into it i would suggest starting with connor right because i think we're in a good time for him because that announcement was a couple weeks ago that he's coming back and if ufc cards do see the bump so that's i'm just projecting a bump in ufc cards right uh i'm not saying it definitely will or won't have he's flag he's flag planning everybody yeah, he's i am flag somewhat planning. flag planning yes but when that bump starts when that ufc hype starts it's gonna start with conor mcgregor and then everything else is just so it's going to start with Conor McGregor cards and everything else is going to follow it. So I would suggest, hey, just be on top, have some McGregor cards ready to go for July. And I think you're going to do well on it. You heard it here first Chase Krim, Texas Roadshow. He's the OG of the Sports Card Strategy Show. For those of you who don't know, he was on with Lefty and I a long, long time ago. And uh, happy to have him as part of the family, our new UFC card uh, strategist analyst you've yeah, been promoted yeah. chase great work thank man you, i you. love it i love that it. being said i do think conor mcgregor is gonna lose so let's get ready to sell so you got to sell during the way yeah, like yeah. like end the auctions at the weigh-in is that basically the strategy Probably, yeah <laughs> love it love it man hey thanks so much for joining us we're gonna have you back you're the man yeah. all right always a pleasure to be here sports card strategy community thank you all
shout out Chase Krim at Texas Roadshow. Um, I haven't had the pleasure of getting to talk with him or meet him yet. Uh, he's obviously extremely knowledgeable uh, about a lot of different stuff in the sports card world. Uh, I think I might be able to get to run into him over at Culture Collision. Uh, so excited for that. A lot of good information to break down here, especially for someone who's not very well versed uh, in the UFC scene. So let's go ahead and let's do some deep diving on, on that interview because there's a ton to unpack, Paul. Um, so one thing that I really like that he mentioned in there that I think uh, parallels to a lot of things in terms of our guidelines for different sports is knowing the buying season for these cards. Um, so he mentioned four to six months after winning a fight for these top names, uh, you can expect them to be fighting again. So wait a little bit of time, wait for the market to cool off after winning maybe two months or so, purchase then and then be ready to sell um, on the hype leading up to the fight. So again, another parallel to our strategies for different sports. This is why we love Chase, right? So um, expect the biggest bump the week of their fight because of media and hype. Not because of them winning the fight necessarily. The media and the hype is going to make you see the bump. So don't wait until, um, do not wait and hope that they win a fight. Uh, list those seven to 10 day auctions that start obviously seven to 10 days before uh, the fight and have it ending right before the fight there to maximize profits and to minimize risk. And then now I have a question for you, Paul. I wanted to get your feedback on. So he mentioned Panini getting that licensing in 2021. And that's why those cards are kind of the most sought after ones uh, to look for. But obviously, Tops he mentioned, is going to be taking over that licensing this year. Um, with Tops taking over, do we think that's going to water down some of the value of these 2021 Panini cards? Uh, or are those Panini cards still going to be seen as uh, that, that top-tier kind of rookie card that you can buy for these guys? I don't think it's going to water it down. I think they're still going to be seen as the top cards. If you look at like Fleer 1986, 87, 88 basketball um, for those Hall of Famers in the NBA, um, those are still the cards. Um, and just because Fleer isn't a brand that is produced anymore doesn't mean that those aren't the cards. So I think it's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. I think a lot of people are probably wondering the same thing. So uh, I, I would reiterate that uh, the cards will will still keep the value. Um, the licensing changing hands in terms of cards. Again, you could draw the same parallel that like when Fanatics takes over takes over the NBA licensing from Panini, does that mean that Anthony Edwards 2020 Prism Silver is going to not be the card? No, it's still going to be the card. You know, so right. I think it's a good um, it's a good question. UFC is obviously kind of like uncharted waters for many of us in the hobby, and it's something that I think Chase absolutely nailed the sports card strategy to make money flipping UFC cards, and it seems so simple that even if I don't know who any of the fighters are other than Conor McGregor, it's probably something I'm going to try to do in 2024 uh, so that I can report back to the audience on my trial and error and my guidelines, strategies, and plays for UFC cards. I think, like I said, I think Chase already laid out the guidelines and the strategies. Now it's just time to go find a play. Uh, and I think Conor McGregor could be, uh, could be the, uh, clear path to profit for that july fight what do you think yeah totally agree uh because me and paul both agree with chase here he's actually number one on our mixed rankings over at nooffseason.com that have been updated uh sitting number one with three different cards low mid and high tier uh, to invest in there but uh speaking of conor mcgregor paul i think you had a little bit of hobby tips to break down uh, for those that may be looking to buy mcgregor in terms of finding the best cards at the best prices you helped me come up with this one man inadvertently because <laughs> 
<laughs> because when you added him to the rankings, like you just said, you spelled his name correctly. So kudos to you. You spelled it C-O-N-O-R. And when I had messaged you about adding him to the rankings, I realized I had spelled it with two N's. And so I think I made my eBay searches after Chase told me the top cards to go look at for McGregor. I think I had two ends in my eBay searches. And I think that's why I struggled finding some Conor McGregor cards since I talked to Chase. And then it dawned on me, you have to, when you search for cards, you have to spell their names correctly. If you don't spell their names correctly, you don't get the same search results. So I want you to make sure that you spell everyone's name correctly, especially with some of these UFC fighters, because some of them have hard names to spell. Conor McGregor does not. He just has one N. It's C-O-N-O-R. So make sure that you have one N when you're searching Conor McGregor's name for his cards. Uh, the best thing to do, though, is to just go to nooffseason.com, check out the mixed sport rankings, and click on the cards that uh, that we have recommended for you there. But as you're doing your own searches for any sports card out there, hobby tip, spell the name correctly. And even probably even more importantly than that, when you list them for sale, what I've done with guys like O'Neill Cruz, who had his name misspelled on the card, believe it or not, if you go back to his 2016 Bowman Chrome first when he's in the Dodgers uniform, they misspelled his name on the card. And so what does that do? That means everyone's got, when they're selling them and they're listing them in the title, they're spelling it based on what the card says. But what you need to do, go back as an astute seller, is you need to make sure that you spell the, the name correctly, but also with a potentially common misspelling of the name, both of them in the title is going to help you get more listings. Because again, you got people like doing what I did with Conor McGregor and searching with the uh, incorrect spelling. Yep. Great tip there from Paul. I can't explain how, how frequently the name Connor is misspelled. It's, it's preposterous, but um, definitely excited for the return of Connor McGregor. You know, he's, he's been the face of USC for a very long time. Another thing we're excited for Bowman Chrome U. We got 2023 Bowman Chrome U basketball. You can pre-order this Friday, January 19th. Um, some interesting names in this release, obviously one big one, Paul, uh, you want to give kind of a breakdown for uh, the chase there and, and who people should be looking for, maybe investing in. Yeah, this is a release that we've been waiting for for a month to pre-order. I think Tops came out and said this Bowman Chrome U 2023 basketball was going to be available in mid-December for pre-order. And then we all tried to go pre-order it and it wasn't there. I don't know the details behind that. I'm sure somebody in the hobby does. But uh, now we know that it is available to pre-order this Friday, January 19th. So just about 48 hours from now. Uh, for example, DA Cardworld, dacardworld.com already has the pre-order available. So you can go check that out. Uh, if you just Google uh, pre-order Bowman Chrome U 2023, you'll probably see the listing for DA Cardworld um, to get the hobby box there. Um, not cheap. Not cheap, but you do have the chase. I think the biggest chase is probably the LeBron Bronny dual auto. That is probably going to be something that you see over the next couple of weeks, a bunch of breakers posting on their Instagram accounts uh, about the pulled of the Bronny and LeBron dual auto. Who knows if that'll happen, happen or not, but I'm sure much like the Tom Brady card being featured in 2023 Bowman draft, you have the LeBron Bronny dual auto being featured in the Bowman Chrome U 2023 basketball. But I'm more excited. The single that I'm going to go in on big time in this should be a surprise to no one that listens to this show regularly. I am going to be trying to snipe myself some Bronny James 
Bowman Chrome firsts, but I'm going to be very, very strategic and careful to do it after the prices die down a little bit. They may not, though, Connor, because he's playing well for USC right now. And if he starts playing well into March, March Madness, if USC can actually put together some wins and, and make March Madness uh, like their women's team does, if they can, if the men's team can step up like their women's team has in any way, shape, or form, there's a good chance these brownie cards don't even go down. But I'm going to be going after the singles. I'll, I'll report back to you on that. In terms of these other players that are kind of featured in this release, I'm going to hand it over to you. But I'm going to say that I'm definitely not as excited about any of the other three players that you're about to talk through. Are you excited about any of these at all? Take it away. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you are. So uh, let's start with one of the players being Reed Shepard. Uh, we've talked about him. It might have been on the Overflow Show. So uh, if you're not a premium member and don't have access to the Overflow Show, you can get it for free for 30 days by going to nooffseason.com and signing up uh, for that free 30-day trial. But um, essentially, I think you guys, well, you specifically, Paul, faded Reed Shepard. Uh, and I think I'm going to do the same, and here's why. I think he's a bucket. I think he's a fantastic basketball player, but at the end of the day, uh, when he leaves college this year and goes to the NBA, he's going to be a, a mid-to-late first-round pick, and I just don't think there's enough hype um, around him to, to where that marker makes sense to invest in him, especially with the valuation of his cards right now. Um, he, he's not cheap, so his McDonald's All-American Chrome Refractor Autos sell right now upwards of $200. Um Obviously, yeah, that's what I don't like about him. So I'm going to yeah. chime in real quick on this Reed Shepard, just real quick. There is a potential Reed Shepard play that I just want to throw out into the universe. Could he be a summer league star in July to where you go back? If the, if the, if the card that you just mentioned that I think is way too expensive, I'm glad you mentioned it, that the Topps Chrome McDonald's All-American Auto, if that dips in price after the release of this Bowman Chrome U. And then if he gets drafted in the mid to late first round, I don't think there's going to be that much hype. I think the hype will die down as well. But because of the name recognition, if you buy that auto from Topps Chrome McDonald's All-American after it dips, assuming it does, and then flip it during a big summer league performance, do you think that is a, a potential? I mean, totally like manifesting this right here on the Sports Card Strategy Show unproven strategy here what do you think definitely i definitely like that um uh, it's funny that this is discussed today because literally last night i i just happened to be looking through um unrelated to sports cards i was just looking through the mock drafts of 2024 nba to see i wanted to see where my guy dalton connect out of tennessee was was predicted and unfortunately not very high on anyone's board but i saw a lot of a lot of names and reed shepherd was one of them and, and so then i got to thinking about his card market and you're totally right even though he's overvalued right now when what I'm saying is that he won't have enough hype in the draft for that investment to pay off as a sell marker now. But if he is picked late in that first round and we see prices dip, um, he definitely could be a guy that goes out and absolutely dominates in summer ball. Uh, efficient score. I talk a lot about three-level scores. Three-level score and shoots at a high percentage. It's very, very rare to find young guys, freshmen in college basketball that shoot for an efficient clip at all three levels, and he does that. So that's a good sign that he uh, has a mature game and might translate well. So even though he's overvalued right now, I think, uh, there might be an entry point, like you're saying, where those cards dip a little bit and boom, he could ball out in the summer league and you could see some spikes uh, to kind of exit out of his market there. Don't go where they are. They're, they are at Reed Shepard right now. Go where they ain't. Wait till they don't care about Reed Shepard. More on potential summer league plays 
to come throughout 2024 at NoOffseason.com. Foo Frankie D in the comments here. Shout out for Foo Frankie D. He says, Bronny sucks a dollar sign, dollar sign, exclamation point. Um, I disagree, Foo Frankie D, to be quite honest. But I love that you're watching and commenting. Thank you for that. Connor, what do you think of that? Who are the other two that you want to talk about from this release that may or may not be notable? Real quick, I want to touch on Frankie D. We don't care if he does. Like, I don't care at all how he plays as long as he gets drafted into the NBA and he's LeBron James' son. Like, now, I he's could care less. He's LeBron James's son, even if he scores two points in his last 60 minutes. Love you, Cleo Cards. But he's still going to be LeBron James's son. And there, and we don't care about his performance, like Connor just said. I, I'm glad you came in there and said that, Unicon, because um, Foo Frankie D, Cleo Cards, you guys might be right, and we love you. But we don't care if Bronny's any good or not. We just know there's going to be hype. Sorry to cut you off, Connor. Back to you. Totally agree. Yeah, he's gonna. He will be drafted in the NBA, and it could be on a court that teams still want LeBron. And LeBron has said out, like, put it out there that he wants to play with his son, so they know they have a chance to get LeBron James if they draft a son in a late to mid second round pick, whatever it may be. Second, um, just a, my quick analysis on Bronny. He is not an elite scorer, but he does so many things to help teams win. He is athletic. I think he's six through the six six wingspan. Uh, so not overly undersized, but I think he does a lot of things to help teams win. And if uh, if he stays in college for two or three years, which I really think he should, I think he could be a legitimate top prospect in the NBA. But uh, that's beside the point. Let's hop into the, uh, another player from this release, pa Paige Bukers. Uh, I've seen Paige Bukers across social media for the last five years, it feels like. Um, she's an elite female college basketball player. Uh, had some knee injuries uh, that she's rebounded from, but she's healthy right now. Um, so she kind of sits behind Caitlin Clark. Uh, and I think that that makes her a fade for me because I think the Caitlin Clark shadow is real. I think Caitlin Clark is so dominant and changing the game. I think right now, if Caitlin Clark walked in the WNBA, she'd be a top five player in the league, if not more or higher. Um, so I think you got to kind of fade all these other people because they're going to be in the shadow of Caitlin Clark, who I think has a potential to literally change how we see the WNBA, uh, with her Steph Curry, like play style there. Thoughts on, on Bukers, Paul? I totally agree with you. I don't think there's room for both of them at all. I think there's room for one of them. Caitlin Clark's the one. I mean, it's very similar to we talk about, you know, only being able to buy one out of two or three quarterbacks. It's the same thing. Um, and, and, and women's basketball is growing in popularity. I'm a big fan of the fact that it is. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of women's basketball. Uh, this has nothing to do with that. But uh, in the sports card market, you just can't spread yourself that thin. I mean, if you if you pull a Paige Bukers, that's a different story. Good for you. Um, sell it uh, or hold it and then sell it, you know, if she does something in the, in the women's tournament or whatever. Um, I don't know that the WNBA draft is a selling marker. We talk about the WNBA draft being like a last resort selling marker for Caitlin Clark's Bowman Chrome uh, U first from 2022. I think that the women's tournament is probably a much bigger selling marker, way more eyeballs on the, I mean, I worked in the WNBA. I, I like was in the war room of WNBA draft and, and granted that was back in like between 2003 and 2000, 2001 and 2007 when there was like much less interest in the WNBA than there is now. But I'm telling you the WNBA draft is not covered by the media very well. And the D women's NCAA tournament is. And so uh, there's room for one. It's Caitlin Clark. What else you got from this release before we go to the audience segment of the show? 
Yeah, one more we got uh, is a top five prospect. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Zachary uh, Rizache. I think that's the pronunciation here. Sounds um, French. Very. <laughs> French basketball player. He's projected top five in the upcoming 2024 draft. He'll be 19 years old when that draft comes around. Uh, I think he's about 6'8", plays uh, kind of that that two to four range position that we're seeing a lot of combo uh, hybrid players play in these days. Uh, he's a good shot creator uh, and is a defensive stopper, which is something that I, I really like watching. Um, is he an investment? I'm fading this one too, Paul. I think uh, Wimby worked as an overseas guy because of the hype, right? I mean, we'd never seen someone like Wimby at, at his size and his the abilities that he had. If you... I would I I don't have the, the metrics on this, but I would venture if you went and looked at Luka Doncic, um, investing in him in hopes of the NFL draft boosting his or NBA draft. I apologize, boosting his card market. I, I mean, there's not a lot of French players that get picked, and, and people are like, yes, or overseas guys in general. So um, I just don't think he has the hype around him. Does he have the pieces to be an elite NBA player? Yes, I do think so there, um, but I just don't know that. Uh, like, we're talking like it's all about hype for these for these draft markers right so i just i think i'm fading that one too for the time being yeah and a quick takeaway here for the audience is that the nba if you go back and look at nba lottery picks very few of them hit and when i look at the 2024 nba draft there's not much i'm excited about um i think we have to be willing to fade entire draft classes if there's no stud or multiple studs in the draft class. I think we've been very fortunate going back, obviously, to, to 2019 with Zion, Ja, you know, 2020, obviously Ant-Man, LaMelo, a lot of hype there. And uh, other guys like Tyrese Maxey came out of the class. You know, I mean, Jordan Poole came out of 2019. Tyrese Maxey came out of 2020. Desmond Bain came out of, like, a lot of hobby darlings that weren't lottery picks came out of each of those two drafts, too. 2021 was strong with Cade, Jalen, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes. Um, then we had Paolo. We had guys like Benedict Mathurin even out of that class. Um, and then obviously Wemby from this year. And I mean, I th but I think we have to be willing to look at like, okay, is this like a, a Derek Coleman, Bo Kimball, you know, draft class? You know, I'm, I'm dating myself there. He had Gary Payton in that class too. But there's, there's just not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of stars every year in NBA draft classes. And I think we've been spoiled recently. And like this 2024 class to me just doesn't have it. And so I could change my stance on that. If I see opportunities, that's a big reason to keep tuning into our content. But for now, I think I'm kind of fading the entire 2024 NBA draft class. Yeah. What a great uh, throwback to the 1990 draft from Paul right there. That was, that was really good. But um, yeah, I, same page. I think, uh, something that y'all should let us know in the comments if this would be something you're interested in. Paul, we, we're kind of making like flyer predictions with markers. I think an interesting piece may be uh, looking at some of the guys that maybe didn't go as high and using that summer league, uh, that summer league showing as potential sell markers, maybe investing in a couple guys that were really high on that didn't necessarily have the hype. Uh, I felt that way about Austin Reeves always. So uh, there's other guys like that that maybe not be the most sound uh, investments to make, but it could be interesting plays and fun plays in the hobby. Um so something to, something to look out for. Let us know if you'd be interested in that. Hey, Connor, right, as we segue into the audience QA here, I sure. just want hey, Foo Frankie D, what can we do to brighten your day, man? I mean, you're just down on the WNBA. You're down on Bronny. Maybe you're down on us. I don't think you are. We're not down on you. 
who Frankie D, please let us know what can we do to brighten your day? We want people to have fun in the hobby. I see my guy Joel Kaplan in the house saying Bronny's super overrated. He's not that good. I'm planting my flag. Joel, I love you too, man. We we DM a lot on Instagram. Appreciate everyone in the live chat. We we I'm kind of joking with Foo Frankie D here, but really, um, you know, our stance is that we we honestly don't care if Bronny James is any good. I mean, Connor has stated many, many times on this show uh, Bronny's strengths as a player early on in his career. He's coming off a cardiac arrest, you know, not yeah. too long ago. Um, I mean, I think we got to, I, I, I think we have to ease back on the, on the brawny negativity a little bit, but I will say I'm not out there planting my flag at all about what kind of NBA player he's going to be. I'm just saying he's LeBron. I've been, I've maintained this stance since I started talking about brawny, uh, probably about 18 months ago on this show. Um, when I realized like the trajectory that he was on, when you have LeBron James's offspring, with literally the same name. He just goes by Bronny. I mean, go to a major D1 school and it's covered by the media and he's projected to be an NBA first-round pick and LeBron says he wants to play with him. It doesn't matter. Play with him in the pros, on the pro team. It doesn't matter how good he is. It doesn't. So... I could agree. I could disagree with Foo Frankie D, Joel Kaplan, Cleo Cards. I love all you guys. Don't care how good Bronny is. Kind of irrelevant to me from a sports card strategy standpoint. The hype train will be there for Bronny throughout his career in college. And when he does declare for the NBA draft and get drafted, those will be the selling markers. Um, but yeah, I, I love you guys in the live chat. Seems like you're having a good time. Keep it up. And speaking of the live chat, um, we, we want to get to that in a second, but our guy, Ryan Painter, who, just joking here, but he's way more positive than Foo Frankie D and Joel Kaplan have been in the comments so far, is going to take it away with his 2024 goals. Ryan, what you got for us, man? Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ryan Painter, and I'm here to share with you my 2024 goals. Boom, let's go. Number one. Okay, not, uh, I want to separate this year. I'm finally going to separate my hobby expenses and my personal expenses. My wife's like, hey, you making money at this? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, can you show me? Like, and I'm like, no, <laughs> everything's been way too messed up. So heading to the bank in the morning, separating these things. I'm going to get my own credit card for this thing. And I very well might uh, do that whole kind of like uh, send... Uh, become, you know, official with the state and kind of open up a business in that way just to be able to get some discounts. I'm not sure about that one, but I definitely want to separate those two things and be able to track, do way better bookkeeping. My bookkeeping's been garbage up to this point. There you go. Number two, I want to rebrand. Okay, so I'm a minister, right? And it's a little bit weird, like I'm just on Facebook and I've got tons of card friends and I got all my people from my congregation and this and that and people I'm like reaching out to and it's a little weird when I post something and then, you know, somebody from the card world starts dropping F-bombs and I'm, I'm fine with it, but it, I don't, it's kind of a weird look. So I'm going to rebrand here, create a new kind of social media, if you will, uh, my eBay store and get it all under the name Clean and Centered. Now check this out, huh? How do you want your cards, especially if you're gonna grade them? 
You want them clean and you want those puppies centered. And as a minister, what am I preaching about? I want people's lives to be clean and I want them to be centered. I hope that wasn't too preachy. Let me know in the comments if that came across a little too self-righteous. That's not the goal, but I thought that was kind of a cool little mix. So clean and centered coming to you. I've got my eBay is under a different name. Uh, I, I run a break group and all right, little promo here uh, called Holy City Sports Cards with my friend David. That name will probably stay the same since it's kind of a partnership, but there you go. Um, yeah, check out my breaks if you want to. We just do a, a, it's usually like one football hobby box a night. That's basically, it's kind of a small group, but a lot of fun. Okay, next, let's get to my actual financial goals and my game plan. So here we go, you ready? Um, on my eBay, I currently have, I wanna say 657 different cards listed. I probably have another 500 that I need to list. So I do lots and lots of little sales and I wanna get out of that this year. Um, it just takes a lot of time. I actually enjoy it, but it takes a lot of time and I wanna get into some bigger plays here. So uh, like for instance, let me just kind of show this to you here. Like here is my, these are just my football cards and it's not even all of them that are on eBay. I'm just loaded with all these kind of cheapies and stuff. And so I want to systematically go through these in the next few months and get rid of them. You know, I got a couple cheap Brandon Ayukes. Let's just put those together, put them in an auction, move them, you know. Uh, and so I want to take that money in January through April and I want to invest it into Bowman Chrome University. I'm just a football guy, so I'm just going to stick with the football, even those. Those baseball plays by lefty seem like gold. But I'm going to stick with the play here. And Paul's actually been talking a lot about this stuff. He actually just mentioned Malik Neighbors today or yesterday, whenever it was. Um, I, I, I feel smart. Like I'm a little ahead of the curve. I already bought this one. This is an auto at a 150. I'm not, I'm, I'm more of a Panini guy, so I don't know all this refractor name. Pink Diamond, I think. Fuchsia Diamond, whatever. But, uh, you know, $70 card, which for me, that's, that's kind of, that's, you know, kind of big. Anyway, um, and so I'm going to be accumulating as I get this money, more and more Bowman, right? And we're going to end those things on draft night, or if it's a day two guy, I'll end it on day two type thing, you know, some running backs and things like that. I got a Trey Benson auto on the way, things like that. Okay, so we're going to take that money, we're going to put it in Bowman U, and then we're going to see what we get at the end of April during the draft. Hopefully, there'll be some profit in there, and then we're going to turn that, we're going to go right into uh, buying up on the cheap. I want to get into Burrow. I want to get into Trevor Lawrence. That kind of May through June is glorious time uh, to be able to get into those. And then I want to get out of them in, you know, late August, maybe September, you know, spike games, get out of those. And then when I sell those, I want to take that money and I want to play the day trader game this season, which is basically you find the fantasy guy who's not off to a good start and invest on the cheap, wait for the big spike game. You know, Mari Cooper goes off for 265 yards. Thank you, Amari. And boom, you know, sell. And so that's kind of a, does that make sense? A little three phase. We're going to go into Bowman and then we're going to go into kind of the off season. And there is no off season. And then during the season, play more of the day trader or buy low and try to quickly flip on the high. And we'll see where that goes. Wish me luck. You guys rock. Happy 2024. Shout out Ryan Painter, man. His energy is infectious. I always love getting to talk to Ryan and, and hear from Ryan. So thanks for the submission here, Painter. Um, good strategy goals. I think uh, he's kind of following us for the for the first two thirds at least where 
making those Bowman plays and then looking to uh, invest in, in QBs during some of the offseason or some of the lower periods to invest in. From there, he's talking about doing some day trading type stuff uh, where I guess he's going to invest in more flyer plays, almost like a, a pick'ems type thing. What are your thoughts on, on that real quick, Paul? You have to know what you're doing and you have to be tuned in every day to the Roto World NBC Pro Football Talk, Pro Football Focus news cycle. Like you have to be dialed into the fantasy sports world deep into daily fantasy. You have to be probably playing daily fantasy to be really good at the day trading of NFL cards during the NFL season. It is high, high, high risk. Injuries, um, you know, guys that just don't get maybe the amount of carries that you thought they were going to get in a particular game, uh, maybe top receivers that you bought or breakout receivers that you thought that get covered up by uh, the scheme or the game flow doesn't go their way. It's just a lot of factors that you're introducing by day trading cards during the NFL season. Super fun. And if you go uh, sleeper mode with cheap uh, cards or like, you know, high dollar, not high dollar cards, but like the right cards for potentially the wrong player at potentially the wrong time, um, you can win if you're right, but it's it's just hard to get that right. I love everything else Ryan's saying, and I know he knows what he's talking about. He's got the little card grind. He's talked about that before on the Sports Card Strategy Show. And so I think his his experience, he'll do well. He'll do well during the NFL season. I'm not worried about him, but it's not a recommended strategy if you're not um, Andy Kaysen level tuned into the NFL season. Let's put it that way. Yep, great breakdown there. Again, Ryan, thanks for the submission. Uh, we're excited to see how your year uh, plays out with some of that rebranding and the strategies that you've got in place and looking forward to, uh, to stay in communication with you throughout the year. Uh, let's go ahead and hop in. And unless you had anything else, Paul, let's go ahead and hop into some audience Q&A for the day. What are your thoughts? Let's do it, man. There is some stuff that is just popping off huge and fun in the live chat right now between our guys, Brian Steeler 714. We got Foo Frankie D. Ryan Painter in the live chat. Barry Sip. I mean, there's a ton of action. Joel Kaplan, a lot of good uh, crew members here, family members in the live chat. But I know you've starred some comments that are some questions we want to get to. So go ahead. Let's, let's do it, Connor. Let's start off with George Shear. Good afternoon. Question getting back into collecting. How do you guys organize your cards? Do you do it by teams? Do you do it alphabetically? Uh, separate rookies to comments, things like that. Uh, give the breakdown here, Paul, and where they should go to get more information. George, thanks for being part of the nooffseason.com fam. Great question. You probably have gathered by now that we're all about helping you make money flipping sports cards. And so I would say for 99% of our audience, and 100% of me and 100% of Connor, Chad, and Lefty, we are organizing our cards first based on value. So uh, we will go player and we will go uh, look up the comps and we will organize the cards based on the value. And then we will cross-reference that with a selling marker. So we will literally organize our cards, whether it's a organization physically in boxes or whether it's an organization in a virtual spreadsheet, which we do a lot of, we will organize them by what selling marker is coming up first. Who are we going to list for sale first? What's going to be the value of that card? And then from there, probably organize them by player. So that is going to be the most efficient for us. However, if you're a PC or meaning personal collector, if these are just cards that 
you don't have any intention of selling at any particular marker or any particular time. You might sell it as a collection at some point or as a set at some point. I would go by set. So I would go by um, basically like a year making model, baby, and, and build the set. I think that's fun. I think that's what a lot of collectors do. Um, and then, or the alternative to that would be by player, you know, keeping all your players in one box and then organizing uh, that particular player by, you know, the year making model from there. Um, other people do it by grade. You know, I, I think one of the reasons we don't talk about the reasons why PSA is probably the top grading company on the secondary market. And I've heard a lot of people say it's because of their set registry. So people like to collect full sets in PSA slabs, regardless of the grade. And so that is one reason why PSA um, slabs outsell a lot of others on the secondary market. Some people organize by slab. So um, it's really whatever whatever you're most excited about, George. And I know another another thing, if if our guy Mike Lacusta or Iowa Dave, you know, golf card collector, fondling cardboard, Iowa Dave sports cards, if they were on this show, they might say, hey, we reorganize all the time because we love to look at our cards. We like to, to have them in our hands and look at them. So I know a lot of collectors that will just reorganize um, how, how they've, you know, how they've tracked and organized their cards just for the fun of being able to get the cards out and enjoy them, touch them, look at them, et cetera. So George, great question. Hopefully this helps. Good stuff there, Paul. Up next, we got Brian Steeler, 714. Early in the show, we did a lot of talk on free agents and we threw in some receivers in there. Uh, Brian Steeler's got a guy that's not a free agent, but is uh, an interesting play to make right now. Uh, Garrett Wilson, who I think is a good opportunity to buy now personally. Uh, if you look at the last 365 days, his overall card market as a whole is down 34.4%. Last 180 days, down 33.9%. So relative to this time last year in terms of hype for Garrett Wilson, seen a pretty drastic fall off. Um, also, even without, even with uh, your guy Aaron Rodgers being out for the year, he still put together a relatively decent year. 95 catches, over 1,000 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I think people were expecting a little bit more out of him, and I think next year we might get it. Uh, but mostly the, the takeaway here is that it's an undervalued time to get in on him. What are your thoughts on Garrett Wilson, Paul? Totally agree with Brian Steeler714. Brian, great to see you. Thanks for your support. And uh, hope to see you soon at a card show. We saw we saw each other at the National. Um, Brian is a great contributor to the show, great family member uh, at nooffseason.com. I totally agree. I think Garrett Wilson is uh, highly, highly liquid. He has a huge market, uh, collectors and Flippers and investors love Garrett Wilson. He's a great player. I mean, he's made some outstanding catches. I think he's one of the reasons why that New York Jets team, you know, has a chance to uh, have a have a better season in, in 2024 than they did in 2023. I think he's a big reason why there were high hopes for the Jets in 2023 in addition to Aaron Rodgers. So I, I love Garrett Wilson as a uh, buy during the NFL offseason, potentially even right now. Find the right card. I think he is the right player. So finding the right card at the right time, which could be now and throughout the offseason, and then selling uh, upon the uh, you know the first four. I like to say the first four weeks of September. It's always a great strategy. Garrett Wilson's right in there. Aaron Rodgers may, might be. I mean, I'm not. I think like we all know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers as a human being, but as um, someone who likes to make money flipping sports cards. Um, more than he likes to hate on Aaron Rodgers as a human being, I would say look at Aaron Rodgers. I think, you know, uh, he's in our football card rankings. He's in our football card rankings for that reason. So 
Go to nooffseason.com. Check that out. We might need to add, add Garrett Wilson, Connor. So we'll take a look at that too. Agreed. Agreed. Up next, JNY cards. Anyone else feeling like their eBay stores are selling more than usual in the past couple of weeks? Paul, uh, this made me think uh, is for people, I'm going to kind of transition their question into a different one. Uh, for people that are holding prints, they're maybe the wrong card or the wrong time. Does the holiday season, uh, because of kind of the buying influx that we see, whether it be presents, gifts, Christmas bonuses, things like that, does the holiday season the time to try to get rid of some of those cards, potentially to try to get more uh, money out of them and minimize losses? It depends on the cards. I mean, if you're looking at football and basketball, the best time to get rid of the football cards is uh, early September. Because if you wait past early September, a lot of them are going to dip all the way through the holiday season. And I think part of the reason why JNY cards is seeing more action in their eBay store is because now we're past the holiday season. And if you compare date ranges, right? If you look at what, what, did, what did November and September look like for your eBay store versus now, it was a dud, right? We, we talked about buying in November and December because everything was down. And so we all should be seeing more action in our eBay stores right now. Glad to see that JNY cards is as well. I am as well. I think now is a great time to be selling cards because now these values of the football cards during the NFL playoffs are starting to spike. We're starting to send out sell alerts. And so I think depending on the sport though, right? Like you, you know, you could have sold, um, some, some cards you probably could have sold during the holiday season, but I think in general, you're, you're wanting to look at selling your, your football cards in September, your basketball cards during the first week of the NBA season, which is in late October. And then that, that would be a way to put away cash for the holiday season so that you can either use it in your life. A lot of us need to use it in our life to, to buy holiday gifts and, and travel and stuff like that, or to uh, reinvest it into sports cards, which I'm sure we all prefer. Good stuff there, Paul. Uh, we're going to round things off with MS. Well, not quite round things off. Next, we're going to hit MSU Collector. But before we do, uh, we got a little bit of breaking news um, in the NBA world. So it sounds like the Raptors are nearing a trade or a done deal. They're sending uh, Pascal Siakam to the uh, Indiana Pacers for Bruce Brown and three first-round picks. Paul, is Pascal Siakam on a sell alert right now? I think so because I think Pascal Siakam has been kind of like uh, – He's been kind of in a coma. Uh, his market's been kind of plateaued and in a coma for a while. There has, there's been no Pascal Siakam market. And so whenever you have anything happen, I mean, he's a great NBA player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is obviously could be a difference maker uh, potentially for the Pacers as they, as they look to, uh, you know, kind of fill in for Halliburton and, and hopefully try to continue their good season when Halliburton comes back. You know, adding a guy like Siakam, um, can do that, right? I mean, the Raptors have been in contention, thanks in part to him for the last several years. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been he's been dead in terms of his his uh, sports card market. Now all of a sudden, it gets a jolt when he's in the news cycle. So I think 100% sell alert for Pascal Siakam, regardless of card. You've been holding Pascal Siakam, wondering what to do with your Siakam cards. Gary from Hoops and Cards and everyone out there who's holding Pascal Siakam cards, get them listed ASAP. Love the breaking news. Good stuff there. All right, MSU Collector, sitting on some 2023 football retail wax is now the best time to sell with a CJ Stroud hype. What do you think, Paul? Yes, we sent out a CJ Stroud sell alert 
this week. Um, we don't know what's going to happen in the NFL playoffs, the divisional round this weekend. There's always the risk that you could sell your 2023 retail football wax before CJ Stroud goes and like wins the Super Bowl. But I think you have to ask yourself the question, what was the plan for this wax? You know, were you going to, was the plan to flip the wax? Because if the plan was to flip the wax, there's no better time to do it, MSU collector, than right now when CJ Stroud is still in the playoffs. You got a lot of hype around a new release. So if you're talking Prism, if you're talking uh, Don Russ, I say, yeah, you flip it. But especially if you're talking Mosaic, if you're talking earlier releases than, than Prism, absolutely you flip it now because there's no way that those releases continue to hold the value into the offseason as more and more releases come out. We're going to have contenders. We're going to have optic. We're going to have more online stuff. The, the uh, attention is going to move over to the NFL draft and out of the, uh, out of the playoff, the teams that are in the playoffs right now. So validating, I think what you're already thinking here, MSU collector, I would definitely list that wax right now. Yep. Good stuff, Paul. We're going to head over now uh, and hit on some, some Instagram debates uh, so let's start things off with card professor seven from IG says having sold cards, uh, to the Burbank card store twice. I'd like to follow up on how they price my sold cards from the first week of January. I noticed that their live IG stream, the card father <clears throat> has sent the raw cards. He bought me, he bought for me and sent them to SGC and now pricing the cards as graded. Of course, he likes a $15 price point for grading and he gets them back in five to 10 days and does not wait for a fluctuating market by waiting for PSA. Are you addressing this? Uh, phenomena of how to flip our general overall cards and using uh, more the SGC advantage if there is an advantage. Hopefully you followed that, Paul. I think so. Uh, Card Professor 7 is a good friend of the show, good friend of mine now on IG and the DMs. Always happy to answer questions when people DM me at Sports Card Strategy. So Card Professor 7, um, there's a couple different things here. Number one is like SGC grading as a strategy. I'd much rather go with PSA. I just, I think unless you need the card back in five to 10 days, um, it makes sense to wait 30 to 50 to get them in a PSA slab that's going to sell for much more on the secondary market than an SGC slab. I'm not saying that I don't love SGC. I do. I, I love the experience. I love the slabs. I love the labels. I love the grading. Like I, there's, I have no beef against SGC. I'm just basically saying facts. Look it up for any card that's not a vintage card. It's going to sell for more in a PSA slab. Um, I think what's happening here, though, and I could be wrong, but I'm reading between the lines, and I don't know if Card Professor 7 is specifically conscious, if this is conscious or unconscious, but what what this reeks to me of is that this particular breaker has a deal with SGC, and this particular breaker wants to make it a win. Like what, what this breaker thinks is a win-win situation for him to get the card graded through his deal with SGC and to get the customer back the card quickly in a slab. I don't hate it. I just think it's a little, it's a little bit more of a breaker trying to take the bull by the horns and saying, I think I can provide a good customer service for you here. When really the, the sports card strategy is to not grade with SGC unless you absolutely need that card back in seven days. And then I would ask you the question, why are you buying a card that you need back in seven days? I don't think that's a great sports card strategy. Um, so I think that like 
we also the other thing I haven't unpacked here is that if you're if you're going if you're acquiring cards in this manner, you're probably doing it more for an entertainment purpose than you are to flip it to make money in the first place. But if you're asking me what I would do, I would just politely ask the person that is holding your card to send it to you so that you can see it and determine if you want to grade it with PSA. Good stuff there, Paul. Uh, hopefully that helped card professor seven. Uh, we're going to round off the show with D underscore Barry 78 underscore on IG. Got a couple cards wondering how uh, to evaluate them. Allen Iverson, 2021 leaf art of sport patch card uh, to BGS pristine 10 and Shaquille O'Neal, 1996 asset card, uh, BGS seven and a half. Paul, how interesting. Interesting. I priced these out and, um, to, to D. Barry's point, and it's LMR Sports Cards is the name. The D. Barry is the handle. Um, so thanks for the question, first of all. How much do I think they're worth? He says both of them have a pop one view. And, and so, like, I think that these are rare, quote-unquote, because the cards are not necessarily desirable, and so there haven't been many of them graded. So I think this qualifies as, like, the pop count doesn't really matter it's kind of manufactured because this isn't a desirable card that people would want graded in the first place so we're looking at an Allen Iverson 2021 Leaf Art of Sport it's a patch card there's nothing special about this card other than the fact that it was graded a BGS pristine 10 so I did um, some research on what a card like this should sell for I'm putting it at around $150 based on comps of similar cards in that grade that I saw the Shaquille O'Neal 1996 Assets card um, in a BGS 7.5. So this is like, first of all, Shaq doesn't sell that well compared to who he is as a human and who he was as a basketball player, NBA star, one of the one of the greatest players of all time. He doesn't sell that well for being one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, this is not a rookie card. This is a 1996. This is an Assets card. Uh Wrong, wrong everything. Wrong player, wrong card, wrong year, wrong everything, wrong grade, BGS 7.5. I've got $10 on this one. Um, hopefully that helps. Uh, I think that's all we got for the show today. We had some breaking news, some new names, new names in the live chat. Where did Bush and Messiah go? Saying sell the wax, George Schur. Uh, a lot of great action, new names, returning members to the family. Appreciate everyone's support here on the Sports Card Strategy Show. We're going to be back with more soon. And again, if you don't have that membership to nooffseason.com, you're going to miss an amazing overflow show in about 48 hours with Connor, myself, and others from the nooffseason.com fam. Everybody, go to nooffseason.com, get that free trial. Have a great day. Thanks so much for being here with us on the Sports Card Strategy Show. To connect with us further, please subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash paulhickey. Please also give us a follow on Instagram at Sports Card Strategy and on X at No Off Season Card. We also have a Discord that you could join at sportscardstrategy.com. Everyone, I'm Paul Hickey. For the rest of us here at NoOffSeason.com, have a great day. We'll see you again soon.